Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. This is episode eight of season one. And today we are asking a question uh, that many of us, whether you're a millennial or even in Generation Z, have asked this question, why am I not a huge success? Today's guest, I'm here with my uh, co-host, John, and our guest is named Mike Keyes, um, very close to us. Just to give you a little bit about him, he has spent 31 years as a financial planner and a field leader with a Fortune 200 company. He's an author of a brand new book, Leading Brilliantly, married for 30 years, father of three great adult uh, kids, and then, um, you know, we... Just he's a great friend, John. What else can you say about Mike? Well, yeah, I mean Mike's uh, accomplishments professionally stand on their own. I mean he's just a very accomplished professional person. So um, he, when he speaks to matters of success, he doesn't do so from someone who's aspired to success but never hit it. He's he speaks as someone who's really achieved a large uh, amount of success. But I think for Mike, he determines success in his eyes in a different way, and it's kind of how. How he invests in the people around him. And I happen to have been a, a uh, recipient of some of that investment in my life. I've sat over countless cups of coffee with Mike. I've done many lunchtime uh, appointments. And each time I leave from a conversation with Mike, I leave with a little extra bounce in my step than when I when I got there originally. And I leave with something to think about and apply into my own life. And I know our conversation with Mike, he does the same for all of us. So I'm hoping that you get that little extra bounce in your step today after listening to this podcast. Anything else to say about Mike, Peter? Yeah, Mike has been a huge influence in my life. I also think think that what he provides is perspective in a high achieving world and just the conversation that we have today it won't necessarily tell you not to be successful but it might reprioritize your list of what you think is success is so here we go here is episode eight why god why am i not a huge success Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Harry Gibbs. I'm a member at Browncroft and I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Peter Engler, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Today's topic is Why God Why Am I Not a Huge Success? Before we welcome in today's special guest, let's take a moment, guys, to summarize what we mean when we ask this question. When, um... When little Peter Englert was a junior hire, um, there was this Christian song by this band Delirious called History Maker. Wow, and, I don't even know it. That's uh, how. Yeah, that's yeah. how. You know, niche that song is right there. Well, that's you know, it, but I can remember listening to that song and thinking like, my life's a failure if I'm not a history maker. And you know, it's so funny with this question. I don't think. You know, we can talk about people outside the church that feels this, but for a long time, I think people inside the church feel this question, that there's some, I mean, yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, but there's some pot of gold over the rainbow that if I don't get there and be a success, I've failed not only my friends, my family, 
but I've ultimately failed God. And I think today's conversation with Mike Keyes is helping us kind of reframe that in a way that we can experience and see Jesus through it. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a a guy better equipped to, to talk about this than Mike. And again, this is kind of cool because we keep on interviewing people who are actually our friends. And Mike is not just a friend. He's been like a mentor to us. You know, I think everybody's sitting around this table at one level or another. He's also an author. He's written a book lately, just recently, about leadership. So that's pretty Pretty phenomenal. Leading brilliantly um, with his, he co-authored it with his friend Roger Korea, available on Amazon and other book places. So wherever fine books are sold, you're going to want to check that out, Mike Keys. And uh, yeah, I think our whole society is is just obsessed with success. What does it mean to be successful? Like, is that being a YouTube star? Is that being successful in my business? Is it making a lot of money? Like, we're just surrounded by this idea of success, but a lot of us feel like we are not successful. We're not everything that society tells us we should be. Um, So with that in mind, let's bring in our guest of the day, Mr. Mike Keyes. Mike, thanks for joining us here on the Why God Why podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, (laughs) this is great. So, um, Okay, so all of us are struggling in our society. You know, we're we're surrounded by Facebook, Instagram. We see all the highlights of other people's lives. We have this picture in our own life of what success should be. And there's somebody out there right now listening to this podcast who's just feeling this real sense. Maybe they're fresh out of college or they're, you know, pretty early on in their work career and they're thinking, "I should be a lot further along than I am right now. Um, somebody in that spot of life, just not feeling successful at all, what what piece of advice would you give them where they're at? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I have three kids that are in the 25 to 30 range, and I've had this conversation with each of them um, for different reasons, but each of them at different times have felt that, 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 you know, why am I not more successful? Why did I choose a career path that doesn't get rewarded like this other career path? I think what I do is important. Um, and yet I'm not highly fiscally or financially rewarded for what I do. And I'm, you know, I'm not getting promoted. I'm, I'm being left behind. And some of my friends have gone on to these, you know, ridiculous incomes doing, you know, work that they've always wanted to do. And I, I think, you know, my advice is always be patient. You know, they, they say the average overnight success takes 13 years, right? So that's the first thing is be patient. Um, but secondly, you know, if you let the world start to define what success means for you, um, you're going to be miserable most of your life because you're, you're always going to be surrounded by people um, that are better than you. My dad told me that when I was a kid. He goes, I don't care what you become or what you do, you will always find somebody who's smarter than you are, faster than you are, better than you are at whatever it is that you think you do well. Um, and so I, you know, I, I always tell them just first to slow down. And then secondly, it's not a competition, right? The world is not this big competition that we all think that it is. Um, and so don't look at it that way. Start to start to set your own course, set your own pace, and you get to decide what real success looks like. 
Mike, I'm I'm curious. I, I want to back up a little bit. You know, you talked about your kids, but um, I want to kind of hear from you. Um, how have you engaged this question from back when you first started working to where you are now? Um, you know, just kind of something for your list, our listeners to think about. I think every season you've told me about, maybe every decade you've told me about, you've had to engage this question. You know, talk to talk to us about that, but also, you know, kind of where did God come in the mix for you in kind of engaging this question? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'll go back to my twenties, and and you know, as I've shared with everyone at this table, um, you know, they they weren't always pretty years. They were there were times when, you know, my thought process was very distorted by this idea of competition that I, I had to be the best. Um, manager, I had to be the best financial advisor, I had to be the best in the office. And, you know, my goal was just to work up through the ranks. And I, I worked in an environment that was wired for competition. You know, we had a literally a ranking every single week that came out in a newsletter that said, you're ranked number 14th in the office for the week and this much for the month and this much for the year. Um, and so we were always ranked. And, and so it created this tremendous sense of pressure and competition and and I you know I admitted th throughout my 20s you know it was a competition I thought life was a competition um, and then um, you know as I like to say God takes us through these little diversions and turns um, you know you all know this story but my brother passed away in a tragic four-wheeler accident at the age of 33 um, I was 32 at the time and um, it was a huge wake-up call for me it was a, a message that said hey Mike <clears throat> take a good hard look at your life um, what really matters right does it matter whether you're 13th in the office or fifth in the office is it going to make a difference um, down the road and and God used that moment you know to kind of shake me and, and really reset my priorities and reset what I thought was success and reset, you know, what really mattered to me and, and how I prioritize my time and my energy and my talent around those things. So it was really a moment of tragedy that brought you into like seeing the world a little more clear. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I think a lot of people can resonate with that. A lot of people out there are like, man, I, I've experienced some pretty severe tragedy, but maybe they are, they're in the middle of that tragedy right mm -hmm. now. And, and when you're in the middle of it, it can seem overwhelming. Yeah. Um, how, how did you navigate that yeah. tragedy in the midst of all of that pressure that you were feeling? Yeah. So fortunately, um, I come from a very um, close family, close-knit family. My two sisters, three sisters, um, and two other brothers um, are all very close. So we spend a lot of time together. We celebrate life together. We celebrate tragedies together, um, and we work through life together. So, you know, it, it started with a simple, my sisters and I would grab lunch every every week. So, and just talk about life, talk about our challenges. Um, you know, I, my wife and I returned to the church. I, I hadn't been going to church on a regular basis at that time. Um, so it, it brought us back um, to church. It, it brought me back to prayer. Um, and it gave me a chance to really rediscover the faith that I had had all through high school and, and some of my college years. And, you know, it, that moment, that time, you know, it, you look back on it and it's easy to say, well, you know, it was only, you know, a year, year and a half of what I call really difficult times. Um, 
But, you know, that's that's when God grabs us. He holds us t- close to him. Um, it's when we kind of get beyond ourselves, our own abilities, our own um, talents to deal with a problem, deal with the, the, the difficulty that, that God says, here, just lean into me a little bit. And thankfully, we were able to do that. I have two sisters who were, you know, very faithful and spent a lot of time with them. And um, and it really gave me a chance to turn back to my faith. And I have a wonderful wife. I mean, um don't let don't let that escape me because uh, she was terrific um, during the the grieving period. She was terrific um, as we reentered our faith, and and um, you know it it really was a recentering moment for us. Mike Keys is our guest on Why God Why Am I Not a Huge Success. Mike, we're going to touch on this uh, probably in a later podcast as well, but I I feel like it is very relevant for the question we're asking. Um, I think. Uh, Many millennials, like myself, I can uh, enter myself into that category. But uh, maybe speaking more towards you know the mid twenties millennial, uh, so often the workplace uh, and and bosses like myself and maybe like yourself uh, are hearing the message that I don't have a purpose here. I want to be part of something bigger. I want to be part of a movement. Uh, how do you answer that question? How do you? Um, how would you guide uh, a young adult trying to battle that uh, between well-paying job and purpose or what is perceived as a successful job and a movement that means the most to me? Yeah, um, that's a tough question because I, I think it gets to a certain level of idealism in the workplace that, it, that you know, everything we do has meaning and um, not everything we do has meaning, believe it or not. Um, you know, changing my children's diapers was never a meaningful moment, but you can look back and go, well, I did that 3,000 times per child and think, okay, you know, that was an act of service, right, um, and, and responsibility. But um, I, I think that, you know, for me, as I look on my career, I, you know, I, I've changed careers a couple of times. So, you know, I started my, my career right out of college as a uh, person working in a laboratory, and then I went on to become a assistant winemaker, and then I became a uh, manager in the financial services and, and then went back to what I call core financial planning. Um, and, and each of those careers had, had meaning in the moment, um, but... It, I think what what gave that meaning was really what I was trying to learn about myself, learn about the work environment, learn about um, you know what it means to be a teammate, what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a follower, how to you know take leadership, how to interact and work well with others. That all all is a development that's internal, but it has meaning, right? I think we look for the work to have meaning, and and really it's the work that's happening within us that I think creates the meaning, not the actual work that's happening outside of us. And then uh, you know, we could just hashtag that right now. Okay. Just just put that on Twitter. That's that's really good. Anyway, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Go with the flow. I'm just I was just no, that's mic good. drop right there. That was that's really good. good. That's good. Um, so I you know, and then as you as you grow and, and and mature, what you start to realize is you have certain talents, right? Um, some of them you cultivated as you were trying to find meaning, um, but. You really do find you have certain talents um, as you kind of get tested and pushed around. And once you find out what those talents are, you start to say to yourself, okay, in what kind of work – 
do I think these talents um, would bring themselves to bear in such a way that I would find joy, right? So where should I be? So, you know, when I left winemaking, you know, what I learned about myself, yeah, I'm good with numbers. That was fun. But what I realized is I was really good at working with, you know, the guys in the cellar. And, and, I, and I was, we, you know, we had a team environment that I was able to create. So when I left that to go into financial services, you know, I quickly was recognized as a person who could train and develop others. And, but I learned that at the winery, right? I wasn't thinking about that at the winery, but that's what I learned at the winery. And, and so I brought that to bear, you know, and I did that for a dozen years as a manager and then moved to the next thing, which was, you know, I really wanted to have impact on people's lives through one-on-one coaching and consulting. Um, and I've been doing that. And, and, and I'll say, you know, I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm back to kind of just developing people, right? So mentoring is kind of the thing I've done for the last seven or eight years. And that's where I find my greatest joy. And, and why? Because I spent years and years and years cultivating and developing those particular skills within myself and then recognizing where can I bring these to bear. And, you know, that's the meaning. That's, you know, that's where you find the meaning is, is, is how you develop yourself and then how do you express what you've developed, um, you know, or as I like to say, God has developed in you um, in the most meaningful way. So it's, it's not an overnight thing. And I, and I can see why people in their 20s would feel impatient because they want the work to have meaning. And it's at that point that work probably doesn't have as much meaning. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, how has Jesus redefined your definition of success or did it not change? Has it always been the same? <laughs> no, it's changed big time. Um, so, yeah, my 20s success was, you know, how big is the house? How fast is the car? Um, in my 30s, um, that completely changed and it became, you know, how much time can I spend with the people who matter to me? Um, in my 40s and, and now in my early 50s, um, what that's become is what can I give back to the people who are standing next to me, standing behind me, standing in front of me, um, so that they you know, can grow and develop and then give back to the next generation. So um, it's changed a lot over the last 25 years. Wow. Wow. That's, that is a cool journey. And I feel honored to be a recipient of some of that great uh, spirit of mentorship that you have. Um, I really, really wish that everybody listening right now could spend uh, at least an hour sitting across the table from you because it would change their lives. It would be just great. And I've had many hours sitting across the table from you and uh, my life is not uh, the same because of that. So um, I appreciate just just the opportunity to hang out in these contexts. Um, so just I know I know because I know you so well, Mike, I'm I know that you're also a gifted leader. I mean, you, you've written this book. This is something that that you're very passionate about as well. I think you're passionate about mentoring. You're also passionate about leading well um, and about building into people who are leading. There are some people who are at this stage of life or or maybe, you know, regardless of stage of life, who are who have found themselves in a position where they're leading others right now. What are some of the biggest pieces of advice that you can give someone who who might find themselves newly in that type of position where they're like, OK, I'm leading a bunch of people now. They're looking to me. What should I do? Where do I go? Where do I go from here? Yeah. Um, 
I would tell you that, you know, the the default for me has always been this word of encouragement, right? So I think, you know, as a young leader, one of the challenges that that I faced certainly was, you know, getting my own house in order, right? Getting, you know, looking at my own shortcomings, my own, you know, whether it was being disorganized or it was things that I didn't know how to do. Um, I had to start there, start with getting my own house in order. But I, I think the, the the big thing that I went to right away was that avoid trying to be the boss. You don't need to be the friend, but trying to be the boss sometimes leads to a behavior that is um, antagonistic. It's um, dictatorial. It can come off in a, in a lot of ways. I, I think, you know, I was fortunate in that the, the two guys who I, you know, was a direct report to for the first dozen years of my career were were more senior. They're guys in their 50s. They were secure in their careers. They knew who they were. They didn't have to worry about their reputation or, you know, proving themselves. And so they were able to work with me as what I call a coach consultant, which is the way I like to work with others is coach consultant. I, I look at each individual as a person who has a certain set of talents and a certain set of, um, I'll say, um, lack of talents. <laughs> so, um and my job is to help them first and foremost leverage the talents that they have and recognize the talents that they have so that they can have the confidence to bring the things that they're already good at to work every day. Um, so, and we use what's called the 80-20 rule in leadership, and that's I spend 80% of my time encouraging people regarding their strengths and continuing to build them up regarding their strengths, and 20% of my time giving them feedback on how to develop certain weaknesses that they have so that they can become more and more effective. Um, but, you know, I think the world gets that backwards, you know, a lot of times is, you know, we, we want to fix people. And the minute you want to do that, you're in trouble. Um, you really can't fix people. You know, they've spent their whole life becoming um, the people that they are. And they have a set of talents. I've never met anybody without talent. And and our job as leaders is to find that talent within them, strengthen it, develop it, grow it, build their confidence around it. And while they're doing that, throw in a little growth on the developmental side. But don't make their weaknesses the focus. If you make their weaknesses the focus, you'll lose them. You know, you'll destroy them as a human being. And that's the worst thing you can do as a leader. So, Mike, I'm actually curious about the other side of that because I'm sure that our 20-somethings, you know, they might be mid-level or entry-level. And, you know, it's funny. When we talk about millennials, like millennials in 20 years are going to be the, the most workers of a generation. And you know, if you're not a millennial starting a business or if you're not, and sometimes this is a horrible um, stereotype, like living in your parents' house in the basement playing video, like you're you're some mid-level or entry level. And so you're kind of caught in this, either I stay at my job that I really, really hate, or I try to go to a new job and find out that it's just the same thing. How do I... As someone, you know, in that situation, how would you encourage them and walk with them? How would you let them know, like, because you talk a lot about patience, like, what's the wisdom in staying? What's the wisdom in going? Where'd you go? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when I talk to to, to younger people, um, there is a certain level of impatience and, and, and a lack of temperance. And I think that, um, you know, you have to, you have to learn 
about yourself first. Uh, even if you're in a what I call a, a tough or difficult job situation with maybe a boss who's not your close friend, who's not the most encouraging person on the planet, um, I think you owe it to yourself to gut it out for a while, right? To, to you know, unless there's abuse, right? If, if there's abuse, that's a whole different thing. But you know, if the issue is you just don't get along, um, you know, you need to. You can learn a lot about yourself, about patience, about perseverance, about you know things in your personality that may rub a person the wrong way. How to develop a relationship with someone you don't like. Um, you know, I've had staff people that I've worked with over the years that I didn't like, frankly. And, um, you know, it was it, the easy choice is to fire them. The easy choice is to move on. Um, the hard choice is to find a way to develop that person in spite of your differences, in spite of the fact that um, you don't like their personality. Um, and and really, when you think about that, the difficult people in your our lives are usually a reflection of something um, that's a little miss in us. It's not really them. Right, it's us, right? So usually, if you have a person in your life who you, who rubs you the wrong way, it, you should take a good long look at yourself first, um, because there's probably something in your own personality that causes you to feel that way, um, and and it, and it can be a tremendous discovery. Number one, and then two, what are you going to do about it? So I think that. Um, you know, patience and perseverance, a little self-analysis um, is warranted. Um, but I tell people, you know, you, you work at it, you learn some new skills, you develop the relationship. But, you know, if it's been two, three years and it's really a, a huge problem and you've never been able to, to solve it, somebody needs to move on. So in your life, I love how you're describing this, like being aware of yourself, like knowing what you're bringing into the equation. In your life, what, who maybe have brought some of that out into the open? Has that, has that been an internal process for yourself? You've just discovered it on your own. Have there been conversations with others like coaches, mentors that have said, hey, Mike, uh, Maybe you're aware, maybe you're not aware. Yeah. Um, well, well, thankfully, everybody at this table is married. Yeah. So we, <laughs> yeah. we, we know where we get the, the best and the most accurate feedback, right? It's from our wives. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, um, it's usually pretty much on point because they've spent enough hours um, investigating our personality and our strengths and our weaknesses and seen us at our worst. And uh, it, um, so certainly my wife has done a, a, a very good job of helping me um, discover some of those things over the years. Um, my bosses have been good. I, I actually worked with my, my first district manager that, that I worked for. Um, what I loved and hated about him was that he was very direct. Um, <clears throat> but I loved that about him because he was very direct. And, and if he had something to say to you, he would tell you what he thought and he would tell you, you know, why he thought that. Um, and, you know, it was valuable to me at the time because I always knew where I stood with him. But he was also a good coach, right? So he had a, he had built up a lot of um, what I call relational capital, um, so that when he when he had to you know give me a good hard slap upside the head to let me know that he, this is really your issue, um, he was able to do it, and I was able to receive it. So I wanted to uh, go back to a, a point you were you were mentioning previously, Mike, and um, kind of fit into the uh, the context of this. So. Ultimately, when we are answering this question, are, are we saying there is no perfect job for someone? Where do we kind of want to, what, where do we want to fall with that question? Is, is there such a thing as a perfect job or is it just always a moving target of, you know, personal growth and personal talent? 
Um, I, the short answer is no, there is no perfect job, right? Because that would imply that every aspect of every job um, is perfect, right? So, you know, everybody at this table would have loved to have gone to become a professional athlete, right? Pick your sport, <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're all people who like sports at this table. Um, and, you know, John would have been, a, you know, the next Derek Jeter and mm -hmm. Pete would have been sure. the next Pele yeah. and <laughs> Harry would have been the next uh, <laughs> shooter, McGavin. I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> Um, so, you know, but even athletes will tell you there's a lot of hours put in at the gym and there's a lot of smelly locker rooms and it's a lot of travel and there's, there's, it's not perfect, right? It, it looks perfect from the outside because, you know, they walk in with the $4,000 suit, the jewelry and, you know, the Ferrari in the driveway and it all looks good from the outside. But the reality is it's got a lot of difficult parts to it as well. You know, I... My youngest son, for example, is a musician, right? You would think, wow, that's the perfect job, right? I get to go entertain. You know, everybody loves me. I get applause every night. But it's grinding hours of practice. It's grinding hours of setting up the equipment, taking down the equipment. Nobody sees all the work that goes into you know, that. They don't see the rejection of calling on, you know, gigs and having them say, no, we don't want you. Um, they don't see, the you know, the night where you have to play for three and a half hours for four people. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's a lot about just about every job that, you know, is not ideal. But having said that, I think you can find jobs – that best fit your personality, that best fit your talents. I think most people want to go to work every day thinking, okay, this job matches my talent, right? My, my talent, I have these significant sets of talents. I'm able to bring those to bear in a meaningful way with the people that I do the work for. Um, and I think that's what, you know, leads to quote, the ideal job. That's, that's what makes it ideal, that there is a, a, a match of talent to purpose. And, and when you can match those things up, you know, all the little things, you know, don't really matter. Mike, we like to conclude every episode and we'll give you the last word. Uh, we'll let uh, Peter and John uh, give it a go first. But we like to have uh, Jesus in the center of the table here for answering our ultimate question, which was today's topic, why God, why Am I not a huge success? What would we say, uh, Jesus? How would Jesus answer that? Um, I want to echo what John said first, which is um, when I think about the five most influential people in my life, Mike Keyes is a part of that. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about theology and Jesus here. And um, when I think about this question, I think about the gift it is that God places people that help us see Jesus. And I know this question has been a huge struggle in my life. And, um, you know, I would encourage all of you to find your own Mike Keyses out there. Um, there are very few of them though. So well, be yeah. very careful. Yeah. yeah. But, but I also think sometimes they're right under our, our noses. And um, I would encourage you to find that person that is going to challenge and encourage you. And, um, you know, I don't I don't think the Bible runs away from this. I don't think Jesus runs away from this, but you know, we talk about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And I think really what that means is there's no better way to experience life through his definition of success. And when you have community and friends like a Mike Keys in your life, uh they challenge you to not live in the sway of thinking that 
you're more than what you are or less than what you are, but they help you see who Jesus is. That's all I'd say. Mm. Wow. I don't know how I'd take it from there. That's that's a really good one, Peter. I I think of um what Jesus said kind of at one the end of one of his most famous sermons, he he gives this analogy. He says, the why there was a wise man who built his house upon a rock when the winds came. It stood firm, and then this foolish man built his house upon the sand, but when the winds and the storms came, it just came all crumbling down. And he says, anybody who listens to me and my words is like that wise man who built a house on the rock. Um, anybody who puts his hope in other things is like the person who who built his house on the sand. And I just think that what Mike has done for us in so many ways is his force us back to realizations about ourselves are on looking at ourselves. Honestly, that's a, one of the great parts about a conversation with Mike keys is you will, you will come face to face with your own self at the same time. You'll experience the grace and the truth of Jesus. And, um, and you, you go, you leave going, yeah, you know what? I, I want to follow Jesus a little bit closer. I also just want to live more authentically to who I truly am. And I think that's what Jesus is encouraging us to do. That's what he wants from us uh, in our lives is that. And to lead other people in that same way, um, which is a pretty cool thing. So, All right. So I guess if, if I had to you know, really summarize my assessment of, of you know, where Jesus has taken me as a, as a person, as a leader, and, and answering this question about, you know, why am I not su- so success- successful? Um, I, I think, again, it gets to how our society measures success. We, we measured it. We measure it in this thing called production or outcomes, and we don't measure it in terms of character. And, and that's really the problem, right, is that we don't measure character. And, and when we have to be patient, when we have to deal with difficulty, when we have to deal with difficult people and jobs we don't like and, and working long hours, um, what's happening is a character transformation. And it's that character transformation that's going to lead you to some talent and some skills um, that you can't get through any kind of shortcut. You know, I used to say to people all the time, put yourself into anything for 50 hours a week for 50 weeks a year, and you're going to get good at it, whatever it is. Um, But if you give yourself a half-hearted approach, you're never going to get good at it. And again, it's a character thing. It's it's getting, you know, when I think of what Jesus has done with me over the years, um, it's not so much about the, the development of talent as much as it is about the development of my character um, to, to create a higher level of persistence, uh, create a, a more resistant personality, to, to create a personality that's not as sensitive as I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s. You know, I'm still sensitive, but I'm not as sensitive as I was 25 years ago um, to criticism and negativity. And, you know, I'm a much more calm in the storm person than I was 30 years ago. Um, and that's all stuff that I had to learn um, by being taken through a variety of storms, a variety of turns in the road um, that only Christ could have taken me through. He is a financial advisor, a mentor, and author. Mike Keyes, thanks for joining the Why God Why podcast. If you have any questions or you'd like Peter, John, and I to address a particular question or just want to comment on on today's episode, 
please check us out at whygodwhypodcast.com. Thanks for listening.